Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. neglecting your email marketing, not really sure what you should say or how to engage with your customers, then today's podcast is for you. I'm joined by Lauren Nally, who has 25 years experience in e-commerce and digital marketing. And today we're going to be chatting all about email marketing, why you need it, how to use it, how often you should use it, what makes a good email that converts, among other things. Thanks for joining me today, Lauren. Hello. It's very exciting to be here. Now, before we dive in, can you introduce yourself and uh, what you do to the listeners, please? I can indeed. So um, I am Lauren Nally um, and I now run a business called the Retail Marketing Academy. Um, And that's kind of the fruition of 25 years of uh, digital marketing, building websites, uh, doing all the other marketing pieces that sit around running an online business. Um, Specifically now, I am focused on online retail um, there's some amazing small independent brands out there um, that need help. And that's what I'm here to do. And that's what I love doing. And you set up the websites and you do all of that. So you offer all of that service as well, don't you? I can do. Yes. Yeah. So I do love being creative. Building a website is one of the best ways to be creative. I actually quite like it. Um, but quite a lot of my clients come to me and they already have a website. Mm-hmm. They already have that e-commerce solution built in. Um, so where I really uh, my kind of expert zone is, if you like, is with the marketing, specifically the online marketing, getting those sales in, getting the conversions often means going back to the website as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes there's things that people miss when you, especially if you're kind of building it yourself. So it's making sure that all the foundations are solid and ready for growth. And that sounds like another podcast episode, I think, that we need to probably look at again for the future in terms of uh, what people need to do. But today we're going to focus on email marketing. And it's one of the things that I say to my clients, make sure you're doing your email. You know, have you got you? Have you started your email marketing? And they kind of look at me and grimace a little bit and go, oh, you know, how important is email marketing to product businesses? Oh, my gosh. I don't think I could even convey on a podcast how important email is. It's important to all businesses, but specifically for retailers. Um, In fact, one of the funny things is that quite often people don't realize you can be emailing your Mm -hmm. potential clients before you've even launched. That's how good it is. You can have sales ready to go. Um, It's generally I find that it makes up at least... 20% of the overall sales. So that's quite a big portion that you might be missing out on Mm. if you're not doing it. It's really easy to do as well. And it works in a completely different way to things like social media. Um, Social media, you're still um, subject to algorithms and timelines and all that kind of stuff um, that keeps changing all the time. With email, you go directly into their inbox and they're going to see it. They're not going to kind of 
potentially scroll past it in a timeline and miss it. You are sitting there. You can talk to them by name. It helps you build up a relationship one-on-one, whereas social media doesn't allow you to do that. And like you say, with social media, you know, there's a very high chance that they're not going to see it because people see, I think, it's something like 3% of your content, whereas like you said there, that it, it can account for 20% of your of your overall sales from email yeah. marketing. And if we take it back to the beginning when people are setting up their um their email marketing sequences and that first, what what do you recommend? You know, what should they have there set up for their nurture sequence when they first start? So nurture sequences is a, an interesting one because it's one that I come across um, regularly that people are not doing. Mm. So people quite often might have a sign up box on their website somewhere um, and you sign up and then there's no email goes out at all. <gasps> that is the absolute worst thing you can do. Um, we are a nation where we just want instant gratification. If it hasn't arrived in our inbox in 10 seconds, then we're likely to go. So a bit like the three second rule on, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, super important to actually get that email out so um, a welcome email just a single welcome email is a great start so whether you want to call it a nurture sequence or a welcome series or onboarding sequence that kind of thing whatever it is it has to be done now uh, one also one really key thing that I've noticed with retailers um, and I'm desperate to get everybody converted to this change is that you don't need just one you need two welcome emails so with retail uh you have purchases and non-purchases so your non-purchases are those people who just come to your website they might just be checking around um and then they you might sign up uh see the 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 sign up element in the footer or something and you, you sign up there and then that's when the first welcome comes out and it's like hi here's me here's an incentive perhaps for your first purchase blah 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 The problem is that then people don't realize that the other side is that lots of people come to your email list through the checkout. So they've already made their first purchase. They're hopefully Mm -hmm. that desperate to buy your products that they've gone straight away. And then they sign up that way. But what I've seen happens a lot is that people get the same welcome email after Mm post-purchase. And welcome to our email list. Here's your 10% off your first purchase. But they've already done it. So... um, and it's, it's still amazing how many times I come across that. Obviously, I fix that for them, yes. um, but that's really important. So two completely separate welcome emails or whatever you want to call it. But that whole welcome series, nurture series, whatever you want to call it, is a chance to start to bond, start to get a relationship with that um, contact. I won't say consumer because we don't know if they've converted yet. Um, and that's what the opportunity is. It's not really the chance to say oh they've signed up great here's some stuff please buy please buy you've got to kind of warm that that contact up a little hence the word nurture that's what it's all about and I know that you said you mentioned one there is enough but what would you say is the ideal so one to welcome and then what would you say is the ideal before they then start going into your hopefully weekly or however frequently you have emails going out So as a rule of thumb I would probably stick to about three or four Mm -hmm. Um, and it might be to share different facets of your business that you kind of want to get across. So sharing your USP is really key. So helping them understand what makes you different as opposed to somebody else. Um, Obviously, you need to deliver that uh, incentive if you've got one. It does work. 
an incentive really does work. I find that welcome emails have the highest conversion rate of any email. So that's why it's so important. Um, so in the first one, you might deliver the, uh, a discount. In the second one, you might um, be a bit more generic and say, oh, you know, let's just get to know each other a little bit. Show who you are. So if you are a sole trader, put yourself out there. Put yourself on your email. If you are a, a particular maker, so if you're a, a creator as opposed to a curator, show people who you are, show people what you what you do. Um, the next one might be uh, to talk about your values and where else you might be able to be found. Um, so it's about just nurturing that that relationship and sharing more about you and your brand, not just an instant hard yeah. sell. And, and not just sell, sell, selling all the time. And what are your tips to help people grow with email marketing? And also if within that, if you can kind of cover what conversion rate people would expect and what are the kind of hooks and, and what people can start to include to get people engaged in the emails and, and converting as well. So email, I mean, it can be um, a huge subject to cover, but there are some key things that I find that people are doing. Um, one of the first ones is, well, one, just start because mm-hmm. you, you just need to get cracking, but do it in the right way. So um, I find that people sign ups um, and that process still isn't quite right. So you do need to be GDPR compliant. You do need to have a double opt in. Um, that is legal requirement you must have a double opt-in and it it works for both sides as well so from the customer's perspective it means that somebody isn't signing them up without their knowledge Um, and it means that it also stops things like typos and unwanted stuff so that's where it's a benefit for the brand because you're not going to get all these sort of mistyped um, email addresses etc those kind of will cause hard bounces instantly and that will affect your deliverability and your reputation as a sender so then other ones might not get through so good so it really is important to make sure that that's in place one of the other tips is you must have that welcome email going if you do nothing else that's the one thing that you should get right and live Mm -hmm. even if you don't send anything afterwards get that one right Um, people have very large lists um, and it's quite key to you just need to kind of clear that out regularly. So it's great if people are growing their lists, but people get hung up on the size of their list. And it's it's not about the size, not about the size, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it should be uh, quality over quantity. So um, when I run uh, and I re- regularly run this with my own clients and we would we'll do kind of a cleanup operation, and we'll get rid of all the people who perhaps are really disengaged. They're not responding. They're not opening. They're not clicking. They are wasting space in your email list. And on paid accounts, you know, that can actually work per contact as well. So we don't need those people on a list. They don't want to be there. So we're happy to say goodbye. So that needs to be done regularly. And I've seen some email lists that have been come down from, um, I don't know, from almost like 50% or more. Um, but the sales and the revenue from it has not changed it's yeah. not dropped at all because the bulk of all that revenue is coming from that that just those those contacts because they so weren't even browsers absolutely you know, they weren't even browsers that you could convert to buyers they were just yeah. not even opening the email yeah, and I see yeah. From what you they can just see. sit they sit on a list and stagnate so we don't mm. need to do that so I would suggest doing that kind of cleanup operation uh, a full cleanup operation maybe three or four times a year um, and put up a full series where you would um 
work through a series where you start small, small offers, work up to what the best offer that you could possibly give them. We're talking kind of Black Friday type discounts. If they don't convert on that, they're not going to. Mm -hmm. So that's when you can kind of part company and you can remove them from your list. Um, One of the most effective things that I find with uh, any email list, doesn't matter on the size, it's about segmentation. Um, Segmentation, targeting, personalization. And you're able to do that in email in a way that you just can't do on social media. Um, So it's about the right message to the right people at the right time. And this is where uh, event-based marketing, event-based email marketing really comes into its own. So if somebody has abandoned their basket, you can have an automation that jumps in and reminds them that it's there. We get distracted. I mean, we've got kids running yeah. around. We might lose lose track or we've forgotten, you know, that kind of thing. It does work. Um, or if somebody's just browsed something, they might come back to it later. Again, you can kind of jump in with, a, oh, you were looking at this. We've only got four left. But you, did you want one? Yeah. Um, so it, it really does make a difference. And it shows that you actually know them in a way. Um, use their first name if you've got it. I've seen some really good examples of, very conversational based emails that talk to me. Um, I saw a really good one yesterday and I thought, oh my gosh, they've actually taken the time to write to me myself. The only clue was that I could see that it was a, this was from an emailing list, but my God, it was a good email Mm -hmm. and it really caught my attention. And don't just use like personalization in the subject line or, you know, um, hi Nicole here's your latest offer whatever it is it's it's using it in the main body of the content as well so it becomes much more conversational and it 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 gets me every time it so if it gets me and I'm the expert it's absolutely going to get everybody else and how do you start with that segmentation and what are the clues in terms of the groups that you can put people in or you know so for someone that is has an email list but they haven't segmented it Mm. how do they start to do that the easiest way to do that segmentation is coming right back to where they've come from. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at um, the non-purchasers, so those who have just come through a general sign-up form, they haven't made a purchase yet, that's one kind of, of bucket of people that to contact. And the other one is those who have come via the checkout. So they have already purchased or that they may have been on your list and converted since. Those are, are two really clear buckets of people to address differently. So with your purchases, you're trying to incentivize them to get their first purchase. So it's about reminding them of their first purchase discount if there is one um, or helping them understand the value of what other customers are getting out of buying your brand. So sharing testimonials, reviews, and that kind of thing. With the people who have already purchased, it's about trying to get them to do that repeat purchase again, um, which should be easy. So that's a really good uh, group to focus on because they've done it once, highly likely that they're going to want to do it again or get them to share things as well. So you can actually get them to do some of the marketing with you. So get them to like, here's a special offer. Why don't you share it with your friends? Put the forward to a friend on. Um, I've been very successful with that in the past with some of the big brands. Um, it does work um, to get them to share it. They, they become your advocates. Um, yeah, no, which so is great. I've seen that myself as well, where they get, say, £10 off and their friend gets £10 off and you've got you've got that referral thing going on. Yeah. And f- how many times a month would you suggest? So let's say the brand has started. Well, how many times a month would you suggest to email your, um, your list? 
So you can split it into kind of two parts. So there's lots of automations that you can do that will be kind of running along in the background. Any one contact may get uh, a number of those within a month. Um, then you've got your campaignly emails. So the ones that you kind of manually set up and send specifically on certain dates. Um, for those, they take a little bit more setting up. So I would probably try and do, I would suggest something around two a month. It depends on how often you have uh, new products, new offers, um, new things to talk about. So, and that's quite key is don't send it just because you need to send one. Yeah, uh, they won't appreciate it and it'll be wasting your time. So you've got to have something to talk about. But it's about just making sure that any one contact doesn't have too much frequency. A lot of the, the email tools now are really good and you can stop people getting them who have had some recently or you can set up your own segments so that that can stop happening. So it's quite easy to do just to make sure that you're not bombarding people. Yeah, and I think I think some people get caught up with it that needs to be chapter and verse whereas it it doesn't have to be this big long you know you're not sending them this massive blog it can just be a check-in this is what's new you know or like you say a discount or refer a friend it doesn't have to be this big you know massive email it's just it's kind of a check-in with them isn't it really Absolutely. I've seen some incredibly long emails and generally how they get designed is you're on a desktop. So you're on your main computer and you're designing in in the platform on the desktop and you see, generally you'll see the desktop version. So you'll see it in all its glory, whatever. People often forget you must, must, must preview what it looks like in a mobile version. So something that's kind of, I don't know, A4 length on a, a desktop will probably turn into like I don't know. On a mobile. Six, yeah, six feet long on a mobile. Then (laughs) comes the scroll. And that then we're back into the kind of the realms of social media and you're just going to lose them. So keep them short. Quite often it's really good to look at the bias in your own email list and see where the people are viewing your your emails. Are they viewing on a desktop? Are they viewing on a mobile? Um, And it depends on the brand and it depends where they're kind of most popular. If they're um, doing a lot of social media, I find that. They have a bias to mobile views. Um, if they're not doing so much, then it's a desktop view. Um, quite often, it's good to try and design for mobile first because that will restrict you on making things too long. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to make sure that your calls to action stand out um, because they've got to kind of stand out within the scroll. So um, making sure that you've got brand guides and that your buttons are always the same, consistent color and stand out amongst the rest of the content is absolutely key. You don't want people to kind of miss that. And I think repeating those calls to action as well, because like you said, if it's a longer than average email or whatever it might be that they don't have to scroll back up to the top, then get distracted by something else. So you've got those call to actions repeated a few times yeah. Um, yeah. through the buttons. And yeah. um what have you seen? So in terms of what what's a good open rate and what would be what would you expect as a good conversion rate, just so people have got a measure they can mm-hmm. they can pitch themselves against? OK, so um, first of all is don't look at open rates. So um, open rates are pretty irrelevant, really. Um, on lots of different counts. The reason is that you even have to open an email to delete it, to unsubscribe mm-hmm. or any of that. And we've got the new um, Apple OS 15 issues where they're all kind of pre-opened or they're set for pre-opened. Um, so it just means that open rate isn't even more irrelevant than it was. I've known this for years. People still kind of get hung up on an open rate. Um, yes, people need to open it to see it, but it's the engagement that we're looking for. 
it's the click and the conversions. So click rate is really important. Um, click rate is really hard to see because lots of people do it different ways. So it could be that you're looking at a click rate from the overall size of the, 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 the list that you've sent to, or it could be that you're looking at an open rate from, uh, sorry, looking at a click rate from the open. Mm-hmm. So those are two quite different numbers to try to get your head around. Um, I, I couldn't even give you an example because they, it depends on which way you're looking at. If you're looking so at something- you were to cl- use the click rate from the open. From the open, you would find uh, click rates should be quite high. So you would be looking around, say, 25%. Right. Um, That's a good one. Um, Quite often from others, I probably see below 10, perhaps, um, when you're doing it from the the main recipient list. Those are good ones. And in terms of getting people to open and getting people to convert, what would you say are your tips for that? I know you don't have a magic wand, but in terms of from your experience in what you've seen as successful email marketing, what are the ingredients for that? Um, one of the first things is to look at your subject line. There's an awful lot riding on a subject line. You've literally got just a few words to base on whether someone is going to open or ignore your email. So that's quite key. Using personalization in that subject line can really help. Mm -hmm. Um, Making it specific to linking to what is actually in the main content of the email. So um, I don't like these kind of, it feels like a very spammy technique. that people quite often use in, in subject lines. Like, I think know. particularly in the service industry. I don't see it as much within the product, in, within when people are trying to sell a product, mm. uh, but I definitely do see it in the service industry. You open up an email and you're like, well, this is no relation to what you've actually put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's quite misleading. Um, so mm-hmm. um, intrigue's, quite, intrigue's good, but don't be misleading. Um, so that can work quite well. But if you're actually targeting the right people, um, that will work before you've even kind of got the, the bulk of the email done. If it's somebody and they open in, it says, hi, Nicole, you were looking at this pink jumper the other day. We've no, It's on offer. Like, oh, there you go. It, it's absolutely relevant. Mm-hmm. So that's already going to capture your attention. Um, trying to keep it quite single focus as well. So we've talked about kind of having emails that might be kind of three feet long. If you keep it focused, then you will have more chance of getting that conversion because we're, we're all busy these days. Nobody's got time to do anything. Keep it short and specific um, and that will work well. And make sure that call to action's in. Um, people forget to put that in. And what about using the, what I've heard, are, and, and again, this might be more relevant in the service industry side of things, but that PS at the end of the email, because some people just scroll to the end, don't they? Is that the same in product industries or not? It can work. It can work the same. But with with products, it it tends to be um, very visual based. Mm. So uh, people would be focused on an image. So if you have a a product and then a button underneath, quite often you'll see a real 50-50 split of the clicks because people will be clicking the image as well as the button. So that's another one is don't forget to add the link to the actual image as well, because generally that's where people will click. Um, PS is... mm, not so much for products. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on the objective of the communication. Um, if you're looking to try to get people into some sort of secret sale, that can work yeah. quite nicely. Yeah. Um, so there are some some initiatives where that would work. Um, it's some, some a lot of these things you kind of need to use sparingly. If you overuse something, then people will expect it. <clears throat> so 
I would use a PS on a text only email, which is also a bit of a curveball because people don't expect it. And I've had some great success with that in the past, mm-hmm. um, which is, is almost contrary to what I've just said about images. But I think it's so unexpected sometimes that it can work quite well. But again, very sparingly. And I would probably only use that with um, existing customers. So those who have already purchased. Um, and then more, I just kind of digest that content. So to give them something a little special. What have you seen? So like I said, ones that you've seen that have worked really well from your experience with your clients, were there any specific ingredients that they had or any things that really stood out to you that that just worked very well for them? So they, I presume they would have done the segmentation, the, done the segmentation, had a lot of images, had quite a few images in there. That, that So it was quite a visual and appealing email. Anything else that you think that you've seen that really uh, improves that conversion rate? Oh, that's quite a hard question. (laughs) Um, I think that the best converting emails are those that truly recognize where the customer, where the contact is at in terms of their journey. So these aren't necessarily the regular emails, the campaign emails that you might send that have a, an overarching marketing message for Easter or something. The ones that work best are the ones that recognize that you've been on the website, that you've looked at a product, mm-hmm. that you've bought a product before, and there is now a matching or complementary item that would work with that. Those are the ones that work best because it's like they know what's in my wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, it's personal. This is for you. It's like if you went into it. I mean, I used to work in, I used to work on the shop floor in retail and I would know my customers and I'm like, oh, remember the last time they bought this outfit? This has come in. This will look really great for them. It's being that personal shopper, you know, but doing it online rather than doing it face to face. Absolutely. And, And so you touched there a little bit about marketing plan and promotions. How far in advance should you start emailing your list about what's coming up from a marketing side of things or your promotions? So it depends on the promotion that somebody might have on. But what you don't want to do is um, talk about um, uh, an autumn sale and start talking about it in July. Yeah. Um, so it does It does depend on the, the promotion that you're running. Um, but you can also use that to your advantage. So um, flash sales, they work too. So yes. giving somebody an incredibly limited time to get um, to transact on your site for, for something. Um, and we've even done it with five hours is probably the smallest window I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. Um, 24 hours is probably about the best window um, for safety. Um, but that means that you then um, send that, you know, say, right, it's there. It's live 24 hours. It's there. But what you can do is send one even ahead of that to tell people that it's coming. So then they're all kind of poised going, oh my gosh, I've got a 24 hour hour window. I really want that top because we know that that that's what they want. Um, And then they'll be sitting there ready to do do their purchase when that kind of email drops. So with with, um, it's specific on that kind of, on the promotion. So I think a rule of thumb to go on would be if something lasts for a week, uh, give them some warning a week ahead. If something lasts for 24 hours, give them some warning 24 hours ahead. Yeah. It's not always as cut and dried as that, but it's probably a good base to work from. And then there's two other things I want to ask you about. One is about abandoned cart emails, which I'll talk about in a second. But then um, the other is Christmas and marketing around Christmas, because obviously for a lot of retail businesses that, you know, they may be taking 50% of their sales in 
in that Christmas period. How far, how soon have you seen people talk about Christmas and can they just sneak in in October? What, you know, what, what can they, what have you seen? Um, what I've, what I'm seeing now is that um, Christmas is kind of launching around the same time as Black Friday. Yeah. Um, so that's, or the big push, if you like, for Christmas. So we're talking kind of towards the back end of November. However, um, what I'm seeing with success with some of my clients is that we're doing like a pre-Black Friday. There's so much emphasis on Black Friday and it gets so noisy. Um, And you'll have seen this as well. So many retailers are getting much, much earlier in their Black Friday promotions. Um, We need to try and find a different word for it. We don't necessarily call it Black Friday, but it is a similar similar process. And it can give you kind of um, an early preview into some of the the Christmas stock at an earlier time. Um, So it does help spread the load. And it means that if you do sell through some stuff quite early on in that first phase, you've got a chance to try and get some in for the kind of the main push as we get further on. So there is also another kind of benefit for doing so. Um, But yeah, it's, it's... an incredibly busy time. So spreading them out can work for sure. Um, email quantity and that kind of frequency doesn't tend to go crazy at that time because you've still got to bear in mind that these people are getting not only maybe double your own, but they've got it from everybody else as well. So I found that doing extra frequency doesn't help anybody. Certainly doesn't help the brand when you're trying to create it um, and it doesn't help the customer as, as well. So it's about being much more targeted and timely um, previews are quite good so email lists can be used to give your list a preview um, of a sale or new items or yeah absolutely but one thing that um, uh, I'm I'm starting to work on with a lot of my clients actually is developing a lead magnet specifically for things like uh, new ranges um, and for Christmas so um a downloadable lookbook, that kind of thing that gives you that preview. If you can't get all of your stock on on the website, not all websites will have that preview ability, but you can do something really nice that will at least entice more people onto your list in reward for, actually, you can see our preview ahead of everybody else and sign Mm -hmm. up. So it can be used as a bit of a sign-up as well. Sign-up initiatives are great and lead magnets do work. I think a lot of people think that it's actually just for service-based businesses, but it's not. It's very effective with product-based businesses as well. Have you used quizzes much as a lead magnet for product businesses? Uh, I haven't, no. Um, That's something that is definitely on the cards. Mm -hmm. It depends on the brand and it depends on the products that are offered. Um, I have seen some that do do that where there is a particular range and you're not sure which one is right for you, then you can kind of take a quiz and uh, we recommend these items um, and then you sign up to actually get that report and uh, and a code. Um, I actually did it yesterday <laughs> with a brand. Um, so it works. Um, so, yeah, so those can be quite useful. Um, it just has to be the right, the right brand, the right products. Yeah, I've seen them use a little bit um, as lead magnets for before the brand has launched to, to grow that email list. Because I think that's one that like, and you mentioned it at the beginning that you can start talking to your customer or your potential customer before you've actually launched your brand. And I know that I said there was two more things, but that's what I do want to talk to you about that (laughs) in terms of if you haven't launched, but you want to start collecting emails, how frequent should your emails be and what can you include in them? Because you can't show them the product. You know, Mm. you're you're there to nurture at that point and, and raise the awareness of the brand. But what can you share and how often um should you be doing it before you launch your brand? 
And how often, should, how, how far in advance should you be doing it? So say if you're going to launch in December, how far in advance should you then be kind of contacting and warming them up? I would suggest, I mean, six months is too long. Yeah. Um, but something like um, three months, I think, works. Um, but what you can do with your, your email subscribers is just to give them a bit of a taster. So it's about trying to get that, that hype going so that mm. people are excited for the actual launch. So doing a countdown and going, okay, this is what's happened this week, giving them some sneak peeks of products that you have either um, sourced or created. So particularly where products are manufactured, um, there's some amazing things that, that can be shared, just little sneak peeks and like, oh, what is this, you know, who, you know and get some engagement going as well. Um, so that can be quite good. Um, it comes back to things like social media. You can share the same things on social media. Um, that kind of launch countdown, um, sharing behind the scenes on how things are developing. Um, you can also use it to get some really early uh, customer feedback as well. Yeah. Um, so particularly on some of the product ranges, if you're like, oh, this is what I'm looking to, to range, what color should I have it in? You know, easily and things like that. So kind of the pre-launch market research yeah. as opposed to customer feedback. So yeah, it can be really useful. And people that are on your list, um, you can make them feel quite special that actually you're involved in helping me formulate that brand. Um, so they've already got that kind of affinity there before it's even started. And what kind of lead magnet? Have you, I mean, I know people obviously give the 15% or the 10% to, to sign up for launch. Mm. Um, other than that, is there an, another one if you, you know, if the product hasn't launched yet or if it's not going to launch for a while, is there another way or another lead magnet that, that you would suggest or would you say that's the best one? You can also offer things like prize draws. Prize draws work before and after. So those actually, um, and I run sign-up initiatives regularly with my other clients as well. So um several times a year we will do that and it will kind of fill up the email base after we've got rid of all the disengaged people you kind yeah. of need to fill up the pot again um so those work really well prize draws do really work signing up for specific discounts as well so if there's something that they're going to get that nobody else is going to get or even access to a certain product um that nobody else is going to get access to um so just in having that kind of scarcity uh, vip approach um that can work really well uh, pre-launch is quite hard because it's you haven't kind of got the products yet but if you've yeah. got samples and uh, prototype products and things like that people will still want them um so you can you, rather than having them sitting around um you can actually sell those on or offer them as a, as a prize or, or something or launch parties you know online launch parties and that's becoming a thing now and um, engaging people in the brand a bit more. Um, if you're signed up, you'll get an invite. If you're not, you won't. <laughs> yeah, great. And um, lastly, then abandoned cart emails. How many mm -hmm. should people have? You know, because I know that it. You know, some people only have the one, and um, and some people don't have any. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what are your what's your advice and tips on that? Uh, well, number one is you absolutely must have an abandoned. <laughs> Uh, basket email for sure um because it's just too easy it's too easy a way to kind of recover some baskets and they are really effective they do work um but don't stop at one <clears throat> so uh, people tend to have one that says oh you forgot come back and that's it they people need reminding we're, we're all again we're all so busy we need reminding i need reminding to to do all sorts of things um and i definitely need reminding if i've left something in my basket because i go oh yes i will get back to it i will get back and then you forget again and 300 more emails have come in so yeah absolutely yeah. do at, at least two 
potentially three. Um, there comes a point when it's like they're not going to convert, so yeah, leave yeah. them alone. Um, you can use those banding cards for other things, though, as well. So, um, for instance, um, one, of, one of the rules I would actually say is people tend to be too eager to add a discount code on an abandoned cart. Um, now, lots of people, this is quite controversial because lots of um, people and other agencies and other experts will say, yes, you must have a, a discount code and abandoned cart. I wouldn't be doing that. Um, you don't want to start digging into the margin and people will start to get to know yeah. that if they abandon their cart every time, they just wait and they're going to get a discount. Um, so the other thing is to think carefully about your time delays. Um, I had a client recently where they had three emails going out and they were all in the space of 24 hours. Right. Okay. So yeah. if they kind of literally went to sleep and got up the next day, like, oh, have there's like, the third mm-hmm. one and there's the offer. Uh, yeah. No. So you, you've got to kind of delay them out a little bit more. It does depend on a little bit on the product as well. So some of the really high ticket items, you, it's a bit more of a considered purchase. You might want to leave a slightly longer gap. And that's when you might want to add a couple of extra emails on. So you might even want to go to four. Um, so the first one should just be a simple reminder. The I'm second saying, one, what, an hour after or two, you know. yes, the second one should be an, an hour after they've abandoned their basket. Just a little subtle reminder. Oh, you forgot. Don't forget. Go back in. Mm-hmm. Really, really super simple. Uh, the second one I would have between a day or two days later. Yeah. Um, again, another reminder, um, but perhaps uh, more of a sense of urgency because uh, things sell out. As you may miss out, there's only X amount left or, or whatever. Uh, in the third one, you might start to look to bring in um, other things like um, reviews of people who purchased before, um, any other benefits, um, any other, you probably wouldn't want to bring in a discount at that point either, but other reasons to kind of do business with the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it, some of these people may not be signed up either. So uh, abandoned basket emails go out to uh, non-subscribed and subscribed. So because it's part of the transactional um, flow, I suppose. Flow, it's yeah. um, you don't need to be signed up in order to get that. So one of the things to do is to also put a, a little note on to say, oh, actually, if you're not signed up, come and join us and you'll get a discount off your first purchase. So for that, you need to kind of establish that the person receiving this abandoned basket is on their first purchase. So don't give them a completely separate Uh, discount code give them one that already exists and remind them that they can use their first purchase discount on that abandoned basket Mm -hmm. so you you kind of still give them that offer and it still helps to recover Um, if you're going to go further down the line uh, you can use you could use a discount code but I would make it something very unique so not a one size fits all Um, have a completely uh, uniquely generated code um, so that they weren't kind of get that far chances are people won't get to number four um i see a lot of success on one and two sometimes on three as well yeah fantastic and you have just you've given so much value and so many tips today lauren thank you so much how can people work with you and where can they find you so you can find me on my website uh marketing no it's not Uh, you can find me at my website, uh, retailmarketingacademy.co.uk. Um, I'm also on Instagram on the same name, and you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Pinterest as well. Um, 
I have uh, a lot of one-to-one um, -one slots that I work with on clients on a regular basis, which is brilliant. I love working one-to-one because -one I can really get into the nitty gritty um, and make a lot of um, positive change for clients. Um, I do have a limited number, um, which is brilliant, which enables me to kind of give some real quality to them. But I also have a masterclass coming up, uh, which is open to everybody. It's completely free. And I will be covering how it's possible to, this is a big ask, how it's possible to double your e-commerce sales. Uh, it sounds crazy, but I will be going through, I'll even be going through the numbers and I will be showing you how it's possible and helping you with some of the ways as to actually how you can do that. So you will come away from that masterclass with some actionable tips on how you can work towards doubling your e-commerce sales. And that is on the 18th of May. So this, uh, if you listen to this podcast and it's, it's gone out on the 12th of May and it's the 18th of May, will people be able to purchase or have the, pod, the masterclass after the 18th of May? There will be a recording available for a short time um, if you miss it. Um, otherwise, if people want to come back to me and then I might have some other goodies for them if they missed it the first time around. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It has just been so many tips. I've been busy writing away and it was lovely to have you. Thank you very much, Nicole.